Assalamu alaikum. I'm Khalil Alika. And I'm Zahir Parker. And welcome to AccidentalMuslims.com. So AccidentalMuslims.com is a, a movement, a platform where we showcase present and future leaders to help us live with purpose. And we believe that everybody has a story to tell. This podcast hopes to add value. So welcome and enjoy. Welcome back to AccidentalMuslims.com. And this evening we have a wonderful young I'm saying young, super mom, Hanifa Gaibi, welcome. Shukran. Walaikum salam, everybody. So, uh, as I said off the, off the podcast, I said thank you for supporting us from the beginning because Hanifa, you've been really a superstar in liking and loving and sharing our stuff online. So, shukran. I think you guys are doing amazing things. And um, as I said to you, I'm... I'm Really proud to be associated with Accidental Muslims and to share whatever you guys do and your team has grown and and for you, for the youth to be doing this in their spare time, it's amazing stuff and I just make to add that it grows from strength to strength. Inshallah. I mean. So this podcast is about you, so tell us who is Anita KB. I'd like to think of myself as someone that um, that is a servant, so a servant of Allah in everything that I do, so using the, the instruments that are given to me and my abilities um, in the way that I, I'm a wife to my husband, um, a daughter to my parents, um, a mother to my children, and then also in my job. So what I do is I work for the city of Cape Town and we are regarded as public servants. So I'd like to serve my community as well. And then also um, the fact that I am a civil engineer and people refer the word civil as, you know, for society or for the people. So I engineer for the people. And I think it just fits in well with me wanting to, to be a servant in, in my duties and as a Muslim um, to the community. Yeah, wonderful. You grew up in Kremlin, apparently. Yes. Okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> so born and bred in, in the small little community called Craven Bay State in Cape Town. And for those that, that know Cape Town, um, y- you know, you it was one of those little Indian communities. So back in the apartheid, um, in the apartheid years when you had those group areas act um, and people were displaced, um, that was when Craven Bay was formed. So my parents, um, they managed to get a house there and I, I was actually, I was born there in, in that area, lived there until I got married. Mm-hmm. So a beautiful childhood, alhamdulillah, to the, um, shukr to the almighty and to my parents as well. But coming from that small little community, I lived a very sheltered life. So my parents, you know, they protected me from everything, but also when I say beautiful in that everything of my life revolved around my family and the community. So everything was there. The school was there. So from, um, we call it uh, Krish, uh, what do we call it? nursery school? So from nursery school up until sub A, sub B, matric, madresa, everything was there in, from a, walk, a walking distance within my house. Your sporting activities, the mosque, we lived in the road where the mosque um, is. So everything evolved around the community and around um, the activities at the mosque. And weekends we would go visit family, my granny and aunties, cousins, and so very, very typical Indian lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then in high school, 
Did you know what you want? Do you know you want to be an engineer? Tell us that story. Yeah, sure. Not at all. Um, so, Senate 9. So, what is that? Grade 11. Yeah. So, when I was in Senate 9, um, let's maybe go back to Senate 8 when you had to choose your subjects and that you wanted to do up until matric. So, we were a few learners in the class. And, um, you know, when they say now you need to decide on what subjects you want to do next year. And I said, well, I know I want to do something with my life. I know I want to study when I finish school. I just don't know what I want to do. So I'm going to do bio. I'm going to do physics, accounting, and um, technical drawing. Yeah, well, maths and technical drawing, yeah. And um, I said I want to keep my options open. So if I want to go into the medical field, there's bio, accounting. If I want to go you know, into the commerce field, there's accounting, and then maths and, and um, science was there as, because I loved those subjects. I wanted to do technical drawing as an extra subject, just because I, I enjoyed it a lot. I did it in Senate 6 and 7. And then in Senate 9, uh, one year, one day, I was sitting with the guidance counselor. And back then, the guidance counselor was your PT teacher. He was our Afrikaans mm-hmm. teacher. You know, he filled many roles. And, and I really am very blessed for the, for the teachers that we had at the school back then, because they, they had very little with what to give us, but they put, they put everything into it. And I went to him and I said, you know, Mr. Maraj, I actually don't know what I want to do. I know next year I need to start thinking about applying, um, but I don't know what I want to study. And I really don't want to do this whole typical thing that, you know, if you're Indian, you're going to do law or you're going to be a doctor or, you know, and, and um, my mom was pushing me to become a teacher. And whenever I used to ask me what I want to do when I grow up, I always said, I want to become a teacher for a very long time. And he then asked me, what's your favorite subjects? So I said, well, I enjoy maths and physics. I really enjoy physics a lot. And, and maths is just something I, I've just naturally taken to. And then he asked me, have you ever considered engineering? And I said, but engineering? I've actually never heard of engineering before. Um, what is that about? So he said, no, you know, it's about designing stuff and building things and you get different kinds of engineering. Um, you must really look into it. And then he told me, and it's even better if you go to a Technicon. So I go study the Technicon because it's very hands-on and very practical. And you'll be, you get a job much quicker because they give you the, the real practical training at a Technicon. So I said, okay, fine. And then towards the end of Senate 9, one of the one of my friends, she wanted to do fashion designing, um, and then she said, "You know, I'm going to Cape Technicon. I think back then it was Cape Technicon. It's called mm-hmm. CPUT now." And she said, oh, "My brother's taking us, um, taking me. They have an open day there, and I need to go see what the designing course is all about and what I need to submit and things like that. Do you want to come with?" So I said, "Yeah, okay, I'll come with for the ride." And then she went in and to the to the designing faculty, and I saw the engineering building. And I told her, you know, um, can I meet you a year later? I just need to take a walk um, around. So she said, no problem. And I walked around and they had all these things up, you know, the people standing with their tables. And there was civil engineering, chemical engineering, electrical, and I was very overwhelmed. But I just got drawn to the civil engineering table because they had these bridge designs and road designs and things like that. And I thought, well, I like technical drawing. Maybe this is something for me. And I took a pamphlet and read about it. And then I said, you know, I did not go there with the intention to actually apply because I still didn't know what I wanted to do. 
And I was waiting outside for my friend and then they had the registration table there where you fill out your registration papers. And I said, let me just take one. And I filled out everything. And then at the bottom, now at the end, you must write your first choice and your second choice of studying. And I wrote civil engineering. Let's just give it a try. So second choice, I wrote uh, optical dispensing. I said, well, that sounds something in the medical field. I think my parents will be happy if I decide to do something in the medical field. Let me write optical dispensing if I don't get in for engineering. And that's it. The rest is history. eh? That's just how I made that decision. And I never, ever looked back again. So I got accepted to study at Cape Tech, um, finished my matric, sent in my results, did all the psychometric tests and stuff, and then Cape Technicon, they actually accepted me with my standard nine results already, and they said, yeah, no, come, sure, we want you to come on board. I finished um, the first year, so your S1 and S2, and then as part of the diploma, so it was a national diploma um, for civil engineering, as part of that diploma, you need to do 12 months in service before you can finish the diploma. I then got a job at a company. It was actually my cousin's husband. Um, He was the director at one of the companies. And, you know, the family approached him and he said, you know, uh, I need to do 12 months of in-service. I don't even know where to start. I'm studying the subject, but I know nobody in the industry. Can you help me? So he said, yeah, no, sure. Come over. Um, You can come work here by us and we'll put you in the drawing office and you can start you start off by folding plans and you can see if you what you enjoy and in which area of speciality you want to go into in civil. I didn't even know it, you know, there was that many different areas. So I did my in-service there and then after two months, he called me in and he said, you know, we actually saw you've got quite, um, quite potential, you've got good potential to take this further. Um, your results were very good last year. Instead of you going back to Cape Tech to finish the diploma, would you be interested in doing a degree at UCT? So I had a lot to think about. I said, well, I'm still going back to what my teacher said. My teacher said it's actually a diploma or going to a Technicon is much better. So they said, no, actually it's not. You know, in, in this industry, if you want to go more into designing and, and management, a degree would be better. So I was very ill-informed at the time and very naive and things, and I still stuck to my guns now. I want to... I think I'm going to go back to Cape Technicon and I'm going to finish my diploma. Then two, three months after working, I then also met my husband in that time. And he had studied electrical engineering at UCT. And, you know, um, we were still getting to know each other. And I told him, and I was faced with this opportunity now to go to UCT, but I'm actually decided to go back to Cape Technicon. So he said, what are you crazy? Mm. You know, an opportunity like this never comes along. Grab it. So... I said, okay, fine. So I applied to UCT and they then came back to me and they said, look, we accepted you with your Cape Tech, with your technical results and your matric matric results, but know that we're going to put you back into first year. You're going to start from the beginning. So that's now two years out of school. And I thought, sure, that's I've kind of wasted two years of my life. That's what I thought. But I said, okay, let's give it a go. Um, it really is an opportunity. And as I was getting into the whole working environment, I did realize that that having the degree would be better for me in terms of my career growth. So I went to UCT and alhamdulillah, I completed the, um, the bachelor's degree uh, in science in four years. I then got a job as well straight after university. Two years later, um, I was approached by my supervisor that was my um doing my thesis with for undergrad and she said you know the department of transport 
is looking for engineers to sponsor to do the masters. Mm-hmm. So I told her, well, I am interested in transport and traffic engineering, and I'm, I, I'm, it looks like I'm going that way. I'm going to specialize in transport and traffic. So let me see what this course is all about. So again, I went to get the brochures, went on the website to see what it's all about, and I enrolled for the for masters. And I was married at the time with one wow. with one child. And my husband said, no, you know, go for it again. Here's an opportunity that's coming your way. Um, Grab it with both hands. So I said, but I'm working, married, you know, uh, how is this going to work? And he said, no, whatever whatever you decide, I'll support you. Um, Whatever you need, just let me know. And Alhamdulillah, I finished the master's degree in in four years, um, part-time. and yeah, so well, the next yeah. step, I don't know. <laughs> so in terms of, so you had lots of support from your parents and especially why I'm asking that because I mean, people think of engineering and still today and people think of engineering, it's deemed as a, as a male, yeah. predominantly male industry. Is it still like that? Not as much as it was a few years ago. So when I went to Cape Technicon, um, out of the class of 40 odd uh, boys, we were only four girls. Um, and yet again, at that time, it didn't scare me. So I thought, okay, maybe just this year, very little girls decided to do engineering. And as I was getting into that, I realized, but there's actually no girls here, you know, what's going on? And, and I couldn't understand because the work, it, it was exciting. It, it wasn't really male dominated work that you were doing until I started working. So when I did my in-service, then I realized, okay, there is a difference here. And especially with, with civil, when it comes to site work and building and construction and things like that, um, I then realized that that I need to approach this a little differently. But I, I got the support from my colleagues. I got the support from my parents, my husband, everybody. And they all said, you know, uh, it's what you make of it. So I didn't let it get to me. Um, and as the years went on, um, as I started working and, and when I went to UCT, there were many more females taking up the the career or engineering as their choice of study. Lots of them might not have stayed in engineering, but the interest has definitely grown and the industry is changing. It definitely Good. is. That's awesome. So what did you learn from your studies? I mean, you studied about for about eight years. Right? So, yeah, well, if you take yeah, the one year at tech also. Well, yeah. <laughs> so what did your studies teach you the most? Engineering is about um, logical and practical thinking. So they give you a problem and they say solve it. At tech, um, it was very hands-on in that we did, you know, you got into digging the dagger and the concrete and mixing and, and building and things like that. And you're surveying, you know, the, those people that stand with the tripod on the side of the road doing um, land surveying and things like that. So we, we learned all of that, very hands-on. And I'm actually very grateful that I had that year because when I went to UCT, they, they did everything from first principles, so deriving. So they said, right, we're going to give you this problem, but now you must come from, from the beginning. Tell us how you're going to solve it. And what I enjoyed about engineering is that it, it teaches you a, um, a different way of solving problems. you manager, obviously, at work and engineer, but there's also like some side gigs that you do as well. What is... So you won this, or you find this with Margaret Hirsch, Woman in Business Achiever Awards. What is that about? Tell us about that. So every year, Margaret Hirsch from mm. Hirsch's stores, she's she's this phenomenal businesswoman mm. who's very much about um, empowering women. Um, so she goes around the country and, and she hosts 
this woman in business achieve awards in different cities every year. So um, one year it will be Cape Town, then Joburg, then Durban and those kind of things. So in 2016, it was in Cape Town. And I was actually featured in the Modest Muse newspaper new, um, at the time. And the editor there asked me if I know about you know, this event and this award that Margaret Hirsch. So every month you you win, you become a finalist. So out of all the entries, they choose one finalist for the month. And at the end of the year, they have this gala event where all 12 finalists um, would come and they and they hand over the prizes and things like that. So um, I, the, the lady, the editor of Modest Muse then said, um, uh, why don't you send in your portfolio? And I did that. I submitted it. I was interviewed by Margaret Hirsch along with many other women. And then she, yeah, then I got a phone call to say that I won that month for June. And I must please come tell my story because they're very interested in what I do. And the fact that um, I've got this clothing business on the side as well. And um, this professional woman in, in a man's world, please come tell us your story. So that's how it all started. Hey, what's A-Cube cover-ups? Because <laughs> that's your Instagram handle. Right? That's my business name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a business account. I don't have a personal okay. Instagram account. A-Cubed. Uh, so the name, let's first start with how did I get to the name? Mm-hmm. My daughter's names are Amara, Asma and Aisha. So all the A's, and that was not planned. That just it just oh, so wow. happened that they all. <laughs> and then so the A cubed comes from okay. there. So the three A's, and then cover ups. Um, my business idea. So so it's it's a clothing line, but it's not per se clothing. It's actually clothing accessories. Um, uh, so how it all started was that you know with women and Islam and stuff, you know, you need to dress modestly mm-hmm. and, and cover up and things like that. And I live out in the northern suburbs. And unfortunately, you know, all the big, modest Muslim fashion houses are all in the southern suburbs. And now having, working full time, having four kids, I found it very hard to come out to the southern suburbs during my spare time to come in and shop and buy me clothes yes, for work. No, well, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> my spare time goes to my kids. So I'm not going to drag them with to markets and to shops and things like that. So I was forced to, to buy the clothes what that was near to me um, in the northern suburbs. And I would shop at your normal big retail stores. Um, but they didn't cater for us. And, you know, especially with the sleeveless dresses and the short tops and things like that. And it, it, I felt like so restricted because I want to dress modestly. Um I can't get to where I need to go to get the clothes I need to wear. So I'm going to have to adapt my wardrobe to make it modest. I ended up wearing so many layers. Uh, so it was a jersey or a polaro and a jacket and all over all my clothes and stuff. So I ended up looking all frumpy and just used to bother me. And I couldn't work, you know, so restricted. And I remember there was once I was watching Oprah Winfrey one night. And she had a lady on a show called Sarah Blakely. Um, she's a self-made billionaire. I don't know if you know her. You might Spanx. not know her. Spanx. Yeah. Right. Wow. Okay. So she developed Spanx, yeah. right? It's also a clothing yeah. accessory. And something stuck that night when I was watching Oprah Winfrey. She said she, said she stumbled across Spanx by accident. She was selling fax machines and um, she was wearing pantyhose or something and it was irritating her. So she cut the foot off of the pantyhose and then she went in. She felt, oh, this is quite comfortable. And that's how Spanx developed. And she started selling it to to, uh, to big chain stores and things like that. And um, so I thought, oh, I wonder if I can design something that would 
that we can do to actually make this big clothing clothing chain store clothing um, more modest. And I, I sat with a few designs in my head and I started Googling and stuff and, and nothing was working for me. You know, you get those sleeves that you pull up till here that they sell in Mecca that my mother still brought for me. But when you have sleeveless outfits, what do you do? You know, it's still open. That's not going to work. So I said, I need something that's got a sleeve on it, but it's not a top and it's not a jacket. And um, I quickly designed something and I, and I met this lady that's got a CMT that, that operates out of a, a, a small little garage. And I told her, you know, can you, can you um, sew this for me? So I got this design. It's something, it's like a t-shirt, but it's not a t-shirt, but it's got sleeves on. And she designed it and then she made me a few samples and I loved it. And I told her, make me one in each color. <laughs> and um, then I said, also, you know, with the short tops that you have to wear over, um, you know, when we're wearing our jeans and stuff, I need to cover up. Um, I need like a longer thing to wear underneath to extend my tops. And then she also made something. She said, I've got an idea. Let me make this. And my friend started, like, and I started showing, you know, did you see this now? I don't have so many layers and I don't get so hot and yet I'm still covered. And my one friend said, but this is such a good idea. Have you thought of, why don't you think of selling it? And then Sarah Blakely's story came in my head and I thought, oh, okay, I could be the next Sarah Blakely. <laughs> anyway, it's two years now. Um, it's not as far as I would like it to be. But with all the things I have going, it's it's as far as I think I can so take I can take can, the business. Can people buy something? Can yes, buy yes. So can. so it's available. I sell from home. I now have the other problem where people from the south doesn't want they don't want to come to the north, you know. Yeah, <laughs> so they're like, When are you coming to the south? We really love your products, but we want to see it mm. because I've got it in different fabrics and stuff. And I always, you know, I, I did the markets, um, two or three markets just to introduce my product to the South. But then I said, you know, it, it's cutting into my family time. Mm. Um, something's, you know, something's going to give. And if you really want the product, uh, you are welcome to come to my house. I've now trained my housekeeper up to, to be able to show you what I have and she can sell it to you and things like that. But uh, my house is open anytime. There's always someone at home. So if you want to, you're very welcome to come. But so I, sell I Instagram can't people. come to you. <laughs> sell Instagram people if they want to come. A cube cover-ups, yeah. <laughs> do, you, um, do you have a website? I don't have a website, yet. no. Yeah, yet. I don't have a website yet. I okay. did have one through Mommy Mall. Um, there's this lady that, that's also for mom entrepreneurs or yes. mompreneurs, they call them. I signed up for 12 months for on her website, but that's now come to an end. I didn't have a chance to okay. renew it. But yeah. Lovely. So you want something here, you're an engineer. What else? Do you a mom of four? Like, how do you four? I'm yeah. asking you a tough question, but I do you balance? Man. Something's got to give. Something's yeah. going to give, yeah. 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 You, you can't give it your all. Um, and like you say, it is a juggling act. The one thing that, that definitely does work for me and what sacrifice I've had to make was I work close to home. Um, so I, I work within 10 minutes of the house. So I'm the, I'm at home. I, I can leave on time and things like that. I can be home on time, not sit in traffic. But because of that, I've had to give up lots of other opportunities that maybe means that I would have had to work away from home or, or travel a lot and things like that. But Alhamdulillah, I have, I have a very good job, um, where there's lots of room for growth and at the time, I needed to be home for my kids when they were still young. Um, I mean, when my, my two younger kids, I was still breastfeeding them during the day. They weren't on the bottle at all. So I used to go home to go feed and then go back to work in between meetings and things wow. like that. So so I was able to do that, you know. 
and my mom looked after my eldest one for the first two years um so i had that support so you need to make it work for you and and what i also do is when when it's family time it's family time and then work goes i put that away i don't think about it i don't talk about it and it's just about the kids and my time i spend with them i try to make it fun so i'm I make sure that when I come home, the homework is done. I'm not going to sit with you and I'm going to do the homework because I know I'm going to get frustrated and you're going to get frustrated and we don't see each other that often. So I've got an OP. Alhamdulillah, I've got uh, two Muslim women that work for me. And um, they, they both just, they come in Monday to Friday. So when I come home, they go home. Mm. When I, you know, when they came in the morning, then I go to work. So you have quality time when you come home. When I come home, yeah. it's with the kids only. It's all yeah. just about the kids. So if I need to cook, so when I come mm. home, I cook, they in the kitchen with me. They're yeah. helping me. They, even if it means they're skinning a potato mm. and they're making bigger mess than anything else. Then, then after that, it's like I, I'll take them a dress lesson. I'll read whatever notices we need to read. They tell me about their day. Weekends, it's just all about them. Mm. And what also what I do is during the day, my like for example, in their lunch boxes or when they've got something big going on, they're going to be writing a big test or they've got an oral or something like that. I, I sneak little messages into mm. their lunch box okay. to say, you know, good luck for your test or I know you've got it and things like that. And, and and um, just to let them know that I'm thinking of them yeah, during the day. That's beautiful. Do you have any mentors? Do you have any mentors in throughout your career? Look, um, at the, I'll say in, in different phases of my life, I had different mentors. So growing up, obviously, it was my parents. Um, my dad, up until this day, he still does work for the community. So... He was very much involved in community work. He was always helping friends out. He was involved in sport and all those things. So, so I looked up to him in, in that sense. And then my mom, she um, just, just very strong, independent woman. Um, where she was faced, she at a very young age, she, she became ill. And um, she developed arthritis, very debilitating disease, you know, where it kind of restricted her in doing certain things. But it never stopped her from doing what she wanted to do. So she would still drive a car. Until, until today, she's still driving a car. And um, whatever came away, she would she would take it and say, I know this is a test from Allah and I'm just going to not let it get me down. So uh, 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 zest for life, you know, really, it was, it's what got me. And then, obviously, during studies, and um, my husband was a very, very good support for me during my studies. Um, we knew each other for eight years before we got married, but he was of the opinion that, you know what, go get your degree, go study, finish. He was also starting up his business, but um, he was always there when I needed to just bounce something off him, and still, still today as well. And then when I started working, the company I told you about where I was doing my in-service, there was an um, engineer there, actually two of them, that kind of took me under their wing, two male engineers. And and they were very good mentors in that um, they would teach me everything I needed to know. And they, they had so much patience with me. You know, and they, they would go through everything. And, and I realized that that foundation at that young or beginning of my career really formed the, the, the going forward of how I was going to mentor people. Because the fact that, uh, you know, Butalaymi, Suleiman, um, Darius is his name, and the other one was um, Clint Stockwell. And today we, I can still go to them and if I need to bounce something from them, they've opened up their own company, they're still together. I sat right outside Butalaymi, like he had this glass door, and I sat outside in, you know, his office, and if I needed to ask anything or if he needed anything, you know, we were, we'd always just bounce things off each other. 
I'm very grateful for that and for the time that they gave. And obviously my teachers when I was at school, um, the amount of time that they spent with us, extra classes they did, they didn't have to do that. You know, we were going through this whole apartheid thing with um, them not getting, you know, they had their tools down where they were kind of uh, striking. But yet they came to school every day. And when push came to shove and we, we weren't going to finish our syllabus at the end of the year, they used to give us extra classes at no extra cost. They say, come on a Saturday morning and we will make sure we finish the syllabus. So I'm very grateful for that as well. Yeah, that's good. What does success mean to Hanifa? Being able to wake up in the morning and looking forward to going to work. Mm, that's crazy. Interesting. <laughs> I always say the day I wake up and I, and I say, oh, no, I must no go work. to work today. Yeah. The minute I say that, then I know I need to change. change. Yeah. And that, alhamdulillah, that's never happened. So I think good. being successful, just being happy in, sure. in, in your job and what you do. When you think of today's youth, what what excites you? What you guys are doing. <laughs> huh? I, I'm sure you always get that. I, I know yeah. it's a cliche, yeah. but I mean, you... you um, the things that, and even, even if I look at my children, the things they have at their disposal today, um, the technology and using it correctly, the, the world is really the oyster. Tell me about what concerns you about the youth. Hmm, okay, so I'm very worried mm-hmm. about the youth in that uh, I've had now many young engineers and, and technicians come through my hands in the last few years. And the problem I see is that they want to get to the top quickly, too quickly. So they'll look at, you know, at, at social media and their friends would say, oh, I got a new car today. And oh, look at me, I'm 20 years old and I got my own flat or um, mm. I've got this and I've made it so big in life and things like that. So so they're chasing the money all the time and the and the big jobs, but they're not getting that, that grounding learning. You know, they're not giving themselves time to learn. I was... I was a qualified engineer and I was counting cars. Um, I was counting passengers on the road. We were doing traffic counts, we were doing surveys. We were, when I needed to build, I was in the trenches with the people. And I think today, many young people think that that's not so glamorous. So they want this, these glamorous yeah, jobs quick. Yeah, yeah, quick. to make it quick. And I'm worried about that because uh, when the day comes, when they are in that manager position and they need to manage this team, then they might, they might lack that understanding of what happens in the ground. If you look back, do you think that two years in Technicon was waste? No. The, the practical experience and the work I got there, I didn't get at university. Okay. And it, it gave me this holistic approach to engineering. So now I could approach it from a practical side and I could approach it from first principles, mm-hmm. what, the, what the university teaches you and drills into your head. And the, you, the Technicon was more this hands-on approach. So I, I think I had the best of both worlds and I, I would never regret doing that. Do you have any regrets in life? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, that caught me off guard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> something very funny, okay? And okay. I don't know, um, in a few years' time, my daughter will probably listen to this. She's yes. too young now to understand. Yeah. So my daughter was born on the 7th of December 2012, my third daughter. And uh, 
at the time I, I had a, I had a booked cesarean because I had cesareans with the others so I had to have a cesarean with her and the doctor gave me the dates and they said look these are your options that you have so you have the 7th of December and then mm. there was the 12th of December and another date so I said oh, the 7th of December is the first date let's just get it over and done with I want to do it on the 7th and then afterwards I thought the 12th of December it's the 12th of the 12th of the 12th that will never happen again <laughs> never and I said can you imagine her I didn't know it was going to be one two one two one two <laughs> and to this day I regret not choosing the 12th of the 12th of the 12th <laughs> Wow. But you know what? It's put out. I've made peace and Allah has put out her, mm. her day of, to be born on the 7th of December. And, and I was just the instrument to, mm. in terms of choosing that date. But yeah, that's probably my only regret. <laughs> you have four daughters. I've got three daughters and the last okay. one is a boy. Wow, you made it. <laughs> I was surprised, yeah. <laughs> Any favorite Quranic story or... Oh, first that you'd like to share with us? Uh, I do. Okay. So, growing up in, in a very staunch Islamic house on a Thursday night, um, there was, you know, you don't watch TV, there's no extramural activities and things like that. We don't go out and stuff. We stay at home. And my mom then started introducing um, we recite Surah Yasin, Surah Mulk, and we have a little dhikr. So that was our Thursday night ritual. And um, so... Slowly, Surah Yasin became my favorite because, and up till today, I still recite it very often because it's just besides the power of that Quran, it, of that verse or that Surah, it's, it's short enough to recite very quickly and yet long enough to, to, to make you sit and, and really recite. But there's a particular verse in that Surah where my mother would always say, and it's, um, let me just get, Inni Amantubikuru. So my mother always used to say that on the day when you die and on the day when, when you get awakened in your grave, you're going to wake up with a sneeze and you're going to say, And the angels are going to say, The angels are going to beg Allah and say, Allah, you know what? This person, this, this slave, the servant of yours, mm lived for you and they lived in your they believed in Allah please give them Jannah Inshallah Amen so she always used to tell us you know remember that when you wake up you must say Inni iman, Inni aman to be able to pass my own you know <laughs> wow thanks for sharing that yeah so what are you most grateful for today sure there's a lot of things I think my parents I would say my parents and then also having a um, a supportive husband Sure. Definitely, I think without them, none of this, I wouldn't have been able to do what I set, had set out to do. And I actually didn't even plan all of these things, you know. I, I take it as it comes and I grab it with both hands and I take the opportunities that I get. And Alhamdulillah, I'm, I'm grateful for the fact that I can count on my husband for anything and he's there. What is next for Anifa? Because you've, I mean, you're a master's engineering, you're manager, you Four children, you got this awards, you got this business going. Like, I think you need to dream a bit bigger. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought that when my children are at the age where they, if they're ever not going to need me, I doubt that. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe like a little bit older where they're a bit self sufficient, I would do my PhD. Inshallah. Inshallah. But um, things have happened and I've been steered recently in a different direction in my career. 
more into the whole uh, tech- technological side of engineering okay. and what is out there and the new things that's coming now, which is really exciting me. And I might just move over to to intelligent transport systems. Um, I don't know if you've heard. Can you talk, yeah, tell us about that quickly? Okay, so intelligent transport systems, we kind of have um, a bit of it now, right now in, in, in South Africa and in Cape Town. You know those those message boards on the freeways mm-hmm. that tells you, ones, yeah, yeah. Yeah, tells you uh, congestion ahead, yes. choose alternative routes, that's a variable message sign. So that's okay. controlled through a control center. That's something that was never there before. Yes. Our traffic signals, for example, they've got these de- vehicle detections in them that picks up traffic volumes and it adapts the, oh. the signal timing to suit different times of the day. That's also intelligent transport systems. Um, the IRT buses that we have, I'm currently uh, working on in that section now, um, the automated fare collection part and the tracking of the buses. And there's so much potential there to make the system more efficient and more user-friendly and people being able to buy a MyCity ticket from their cell phone. You know, it's, it's the way the world is working. Parking, when you go park nowadays, you don't have to fork out cash, yeah. you know. So I'm looking Exciting. at transport systems, intelligent transport systems, and I, I really think um, that I'm going to be moving that way. It's still within civil engineering and yeah. traffic it's just the technological side of it. Really exciting. Wish you all the best. Shukran. So my last question. <clears throat> Today is your last day. And you only have like 20, 30 seconds to give us your best advice. So what advice would you give us? Don't be scared to work hard. Don't be scared to work hard. <laughs> Makes sense, especially in today's world. Everybody yeah. wants quick wins. Yeah. Right? No, work, uh, put, put in that time, really. Shukran Anifa, I mean, you've been, uh, you've been amazing. You've been uh, really serving the community uh, on both fronts, on from an engineering perspective, from a city of Cape Town's perspective, from an entrepreneurship perspective, and yeah, even at home. So Shukran, may Allah bless you and your family. Something also I didn't forgot to mention is yeah. that um, I ran a bursary scheme as well. Oh, okay, oh. tell us about that. When I went to Technicon, I was, uh, you know, obviously, you know, I had to pay the fees and stuff. And at the time, um, my my father was saying, you know, like, it's, it's I think it was about 7,000 Rand at the time for the year. And I needed to put upfront payment of 4,000 Rand. And my father said, look, you know, we can, we possibly can afford it, but it is something that we didn't really, you know, cater for mm. at the time. So um, I approached uh, certain people in the community and well, one was my dad's friend who helped us and then there was an extra payment that had to be made and there was a group of students from, um, ex-students from Cravenby School that, that started up a bursary fund. And they interviewed me and they said, okay, fine, we'll pay you, we'll pay for that semester of your, of your studies. You don't have to pay us back. Just when, when you are in a position to do the same, then just do the same. So last year I started up, I got in contact with um, students that were at Batrik with me and a few of us, we got together and some in other grades as well. And uh, I approached them and I I opened up a bank account and they all donated towards it and we're sponsoring a student now. That's an amazing story, so you're Um, paying it forward. Yeah, paying it forward. And next year, inshallah, we'll do the same. Yeah, my battles will go from strength to strength. I mean. Shukran, Anifa, I appreciate it. Afwan. As-salamu alaykum. So that's it for today's show. We hope you added value. We hope you enjoyed it. But most of all, we hope our guests inspired you to live with purpose. 
Don't forget to send us your suggestions via info at accidentalmuslims.com. If you know anybody out there that is inspiring, that's leading, that's living with purpose, please uh, do contact us. And remember, feedback is our oxygen. So follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I hope you enjoyed. God bless. Assalamu alaikum. نزعت أسرار قلبي وجئت ألقي أسايا رباه عفوك إني للنور مدت يدايا نزعت أسرار قلبي وجئت ألقي أسايا وأشتكي طي صدري دربا سحيق العطايا به بدأت ولكن لم أدر ما منتهايا لم أدر يأسي فيه ولا عرفت هدايا ولا عرفت ظلامي ولا عرفت ضحايا ولا لغيرك دوا يا رب يوم الندايا يا فاسكب ضياءك إني ضمآن ضل صدايا إليك أنت صباحي مصفد بمسايا فاسكب ضياءك إني ضمآن ضل صدايا لم أدر من أين بعن أسقي جنين الركايا والشط لا ما فيه يطفي في حجايا رحماك يا ربي إني وزورقي والخطايا في لجة ليس فيها من الضياء بقايا جفت وغاضت ولكن ما زلت أزجر جايا يا